Hello everyone, my name is Mr. Island, and welcome to a podcast about role-playing. This is In and Out of Character, where we talk about not the characters, but the people behind the characters. I've always wanted to talk with other people about various topics of role-play, like character detachment, open versus closed role-playing, the extremes of dark role-play, and how we can even get addicted to role-playing. As well, I am very passionate about role-playing. It doesn't matter the platform, it's just something I've always been interested in. So much so that I have a YouTube channel called The Core Role Players Guild, where I'm trying to help improve the quality of role-playing. I'll leave a link in the description of this episode. Welcome to the second episode of In and Out of Character. Today, I'm talking to Wicked about the aspects of respect in role-playing. Stick around to the end of the episode if you would like to learn how you can be on the podcast. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. I'm surprised I didn't need to wrestle with Discord's sound and mic. It usually makes me adjust a bunch of settings for it to be able to work. Oh, it's okay. This is the first time you and I have actually gotten to speak in ever. I don't think we've ever been on a Discord call before. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I, I know your name, but I forgot your name. So I'm sorry about that. At one point you did tell me, and I didn't, like I said, I just forgot. So I'm so sorry. I just keep calling you Wicked. Yeah, that works. So I think we met. Wicked, you have been one of my longest role-playing friends in, I think... Ever, I I vaguely really you think so? We've uh we've been role playing together since God. When did we first meet? When did our characters meet each other? I know where our characters met. We met in the Cathedral District on World of Warcraft, or at least our characters did. We became fast friends after that, but I don't remember when it was. It was years ago. That was three, four years, I think. I remember you were on your Draenei. I had my Death Knight character. Mm-hmm. It's been by now, but yeah, who knows how long, how many years that's been. Do you mind introducing yourself so everybody can know who you are? Yeah, sure. I go by Wicked Boople Studio of the West on Discord. Uh, you can call me Wicked or Boop, or mm-hmm. um, in some cases, Alisto. I've been role-playing for uh, almost a decade now, I think. Eight, nine years, most likely, pushing mm-hmm. ten. Uh, mm-hmm. I started out in Istaria. A very old, still going game or MMO actually. That was that's also I think pushing twenty years old. So it's you know pretty old user, but that's where I started role playing. I, I moved there after uh, I broke off from WoW. I never did any Warcraft role play when I was younger, and then I started to do that and got introduced to the 
that area of the game in Astaria. Um, then after that, I moved into Elder Scrolls, Guild Wars 2, Star Wars Old Republic, and so on. Oh, that's right. We did roleplay in Guild Wars 2 for a little bit. Like, just just for, like, a little bit, I remember. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that. So. I had brought the name Niftani over to Guild Wars 2. We were both roleplaying. I was roleplaying a char. I don't remember what you were roleplaying. Either you were also roleplaying a char, or... I don't have any characters that are not a char. Yeah, so I was. I'm. I'm. I'm vaguely positive. If I downloaded and uh, if I redownloaded and logged on to Guild Wars Two, I could at least find your name on there. Yeah, I'm actually having an expansion coming out in February. I think they, they were doing some beta tests recently and showing off the new specializations over the weekend. Oh God, I um I miss Guild Wars Two. I really miss the thematic of Guild Wars. It was so much fun to roleplay. It's just Guild Wars 2 roleplay was so clicky, unfortunately. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've tried to get into it multiple times, and it's hard to... Like, if you go to the forums and look for a guild or something, you probably won't find what you're looking for. It's more word of mouth, I think. Mm-hmm. It's very insular and sort of kind of hard to get into. It's not all, It's not extremely difficult, but it's not as simple as going to the forums, hitting someone up, and mm-hmm. then you're, you're in, which it would be like other games. But anyway, if this is a Warcraft thing, I imagine, so I don't want to get too into... No, no, this is not a uh, World of Warcraft podcast. This is just a podcast talking to people who love to roleplay and who have roleplayed and just like learning what their opinions are because there's a lot of stuff that we as roleplayers just do not talk about for some odd reason. like what is acceptable dark role-playing, or what is acceptable silly role-playing, and so on and so forth. Well, anyway, to just sort of wrap up the intro, um, mm. if there's been an MMO in the past 10 years that's been mainstream, I've probably been in and role-played it a little bit. Yeah, I feel the same way with the, with quite a few of them as well. Yeah, and so currently I'm back in uh, Star Wars the Republic, mm. actually, which has been my um, most long-standing role-play game so far. I don't know. My character has lasted as long as there, had the most consistent presence in there with uh, my guild. Not, not really public. Mm-hmm. And then I'm hoping to move into New World a little bit. I have some friends from that game who are also interested. So we'll see how that goes. I gotcha. But we are here to talk about, in your words, dragons uh, today. And I was so excited when you came to me about dragons. Because this is, again, something that we really don't, as a community, talk about. Um, like, I know there are people out there who roleplay as dragons in World of Warcraft or the, the dragon flight, but it's always, it can always be this muddled thing unless you do it respectfully and with a bit of control. Actually, I'm just swinging back around. It's been five years or four. I was scrolling back through Discord while we were talking to get to the very beginning, and the first Discord message is in the uh, near the end of 2016, mm-hmm. and, and the first image I sent you was a, a dragon. A dragon, of course, it was a dragon. So yeah, going back to to that topic you just brought up, I, I think it is talked about some, but it's mostly in you know private Discord servers where it's like, oh, those dragon role players or and, and that sort of thing. Um, I've seen a couple of guild applications where they say we do not accept you know this or that or 
or that kind of concept. And on a certain level, that's perfectly, perfectly fine. It's it's their guild, it's their community, and what they they want to build and how what their vision is for that. But it's also, I think, very much that stigma that has lingered around for quite a while on not not just dragon characters in particular, but they're like the, the poster child for that kind of um, mm-hmm. person with the, the bad reputation and the you know certain particular role playing style. So. Right. And I, I think I see where you're coming from because it's, I remember way back when during um, Wrath of the Lich King, you had when the Dragonflights started becoming really proliferant in the in the lore of World of Warcraft, you had, I remember there were some players who were trying to be part of the Dragonflight. I remember there was some people who were even trying to be like high standing members of the Dragonflights. And it really made a lot of people upset. Yeah, I was not here for that, but I can see that happening. I think it was the the blue dragon light and their uh, their mage hunting. I was I started playing Wrath of the Lich King, but I was not keeping up with the lore at the time. It was only by Mists um, of Pandaria that I started really paying attention to that. So first, just to get this part out of the way, people will play what they want. They have fun, yada mm-hmm. yada. Not gonna comment on that. I do think there's something to be said for some, you know tips, tricks, processes, methods, that sort of thing on how to roleplay a certain concept in a certain way to at least get a little more acceptance from the wider community and from people you'd actually want acceptance for. Because some people are always going to go, you know, if you're not roleplaying a, a farmer with crusty hands and a plow and a half-dead cow, then you're not doing it right. But, you know, we don't, we don't really care about that, <laughs> pleasing that kind of person. Right. I, I prefer a little bit of lore bending myself and trying to fit in interesting concepts and you know as long as it's i i try to do it well as long as it's done well in my opinion then it's perfectly fine regardless mm. of but you know that's based entirely of what i think is done well okay could you could you perhaps give me like an example of that sure so one character i played one main concept i use was for the background where i told myself okay i can put whatever i want in the background and it doesn't matter if it ever comes up in a scene, it doesn't matter if anyone ever finds out or if the character ever tells anyone about it. I can put whatever I want in there and base their decisions accordingly in, in whatever situation they're in. And that, for for a while, I played a dragon character who was on the doing the whole hiding thing. I know they've in in recent lore times they've sort of come out and, and stopped doing that because they you know lost lost entire flights. The Population's mm-hmm. been decimated. They can't reproduce anymore, and, and that sort of thing. So there's not really much reason to do. At least for the for the main dragon flights, there's not really much reason to play that kind of character. For mine, I said I can do whatever I want as long as it's and it, it could be there, but it just doesn't have to come up. And I think that's one problem that has that people can get pissed off about is that you're uh, shoving that character concept in their face, and you're sort of role playing not to you know, build a story, but to do the, the, the cool thing, which, you know, going back to the earlier uh, mention of, you know, play what, play what makes you happy. But once you start interacting with other people, you have to start taking that into consideration. So that was my, the basis of the character I've been playing in recent times was definitely a dragon. Absolutely. So I'm not going to, maybe I'll mention the, the name and get into more detail on that later, but who knows if anyone in the guild I was in is going to be listening to this. But if they are, then they're in for a bit of surprise. So I had a Void Elf, who was a Void-Corrupted Nether Drake, which, if I recall correctly, is sort of uh, two orders of magnitude out there compared to your usual Dragonflight. So you got the Nether Drake and then the Void-Corrupted part. Mm-hmm. And she was hiding as a Void Elf in Stormwind, and 
got kicked out of um, the usual Blood Elf stuff and had some, some background there. But the biggest was that she never brought that up, never told anyone. It was just a, a relatively, actually relatively normal Void Elf character who I had fleshed out the Blood Elf part of her background and her interactions in Silvermoon and why she left the city and even how she had managed to stay there without being discovered, contacts and that sort of thing. So there was that basis. It wasn't just a background entirely based around the draconic side. Of course, she had a lot of you know daddy issues because <laughs> Deathwing and, and all that and you know, but mm-hmm. it was very much around. Um, I focused on the the mannerisms and the uh, sort of day to day interaction and how how that was impacted and mixed together into by a background. For for example, you know, I, I played a you know female void elf, so that comes with certain things come with the territory there. Uh, I played her as kind of a, a dumbass, so to speak, and so, some of her mannerisms were based on the draconic background in that she just didn't see people as people. And that didn't come out in a negative way, but more like she, she treated a lot of people as you would treat, you know, a cat. You just have to kind of go along with it, play with them and have fun. And she didn't, she, she does not like people at all, but she, uh, I was able to play her as a very kind and unassuming and sort of idiotic gremlin type character because of that part. And that was how the uh, more out there part of her background manifested, as opposed to, say, walking around with horns and scales and, you know, treating the mere mortals or, or younger characters like children. But so I tried to, to spin it in a way that she, she did have that sort of mindset that your typical draconic character would, but it was more in a why not sort of way of why not, you know, just interact with people and have fun, make some connections. So I tried to avoid the, you know, the stereotypical sort of dragon character you would see who is very open about it. And mm-hmm. wait, I've gone off track here. My point was that I sort of, I tried to combine both the draconic background with the background she said she had, part of which is true and part of which is a flat out lie with the whole Silver Moon, Blood Elf thing and getting kicked out and Void Elves and, and all that. Mm-hmm. And spun it in a way that she would have a reason to interact with people without referencing the more out there parts of the background because I didn't want to force that on people. So it was a matter of um, there were some things that cropped up in her mannerisms that were relevant that people could pick up on, but were it wasn't overt. If you don't mind me, kind of like drawing a line between two things that I've always like, one thing has that's always irked me. Okay, so when you said this is something that my character does, but she's not actively open about it. I absolutely love that. And the reason being is because during Elder Scrolls, there are Dark Brotherhood members everywhere. And it irks me to no end when people are open about them being a part of the Dark Brotherhood or being like the listener or something like that. Like, I do not care if your character is a part of the Dark Brotherhood, but like these flights, this is not something that you actively need to be telling people because that's normally grounds of you being killed right there yeah sorry that was a little long-winded of me um what was your question oh it wasn't a question it was just me mentioning that i really enjoy the fact that you do not tell everybody that you're in the dark uh, or that you're in a dragon flight or that your character is a dragon i'm sorry oh yeah so just to try and summarize my long-windedness a little bit and address 
which which you've mentioned and linked back to it. I think it's not only it can be very important for those kinds of characters, but also very interesting and fun to have that layer of depth, I think, to to have something that people can discover. Because once it's out there, it's it's out there. Mm-hmm. And I know um, there are some such scenarios in which you would play a more out there character who is, you know, sort of discovered, but and but it can also be very interesting to not do that. And there's a certain from from people you're interacting with perspective, from from their point of view, once they know something, they're forced to react to it in a certain way. I think that's partially what can be so irritating about certain kinds of role players who have these concepts for their characters, in that once it's once they share that, they they can feel forced to try and to react in a certain way that they don't particularly enjoy or want to. And that's part of where the problems come from. Like so they'll find a dragon character who's doing it because it's cool or, or fun, which is, you know, fine. But and then they have meet another character who doesn't necessarily want to deal with, with that level of uh, difference. So I, th- I think it's very important to, even if your c- character is going to be open about it or not open about it, it's important to have some measure of, of grounding so that they're very, very present within the, the game world that you're role-playing in. Otherwise, it feels very floaty and disconnected and, and some, some word I can't think of at the moment. Uh, forced? Forced, yes. That's a good one. So, for example, uh, it's nice to have a level of discovery that people can go through and either pick up on it or they don't, and it just it goes from there. So one thing I did with my character was she just doesn't find anyone all that important to her they're more regarded as as i think i mentioned like sort of pets not quite but they're just kind of there and that that manifested in very sort of carefree way where she i think she came across as kind of fun and and gremlin-y and kind of idiot but that was because she she didn't particularly care what how how interactions with certain people went and and that actually uh, helped create some relationships and friendships with with the uh, other characters around her and that and that was something that was connected to the draconic part of her background, but it wasn't that part of the background didn't come up, and no one commented on it. No, and it was uh, it came across in such a way as she's just that kind of void elf character, and not you're acting this way because your character is a dragon, which I was very pleased to do. The guild was actually moved over to Final Fantasy, the MMO. So mm-hmm. we all posted the the end for our character and sort of expanded on what they would be doing. They were all kind of surprised to learn that my character was, despite her her niceness, she was uh, actually interested in uh, world domination through the void. So I told them that, and that was like that's the kind of depth and uh, sort of trickery I like to go for in in some characters. Mm-hmm. That, like even the even the nice gremlins meet who who bake you know nice smelling bread and have all sorts of pleasant interactions with can have those ulterior motives and then it's that mesh and mishmash of background details that even if the background detail isn't discovered it still has an impact and manifestation in your role play which i think is a very important grounding mechanism so that even if someone does find out through either you tell them or they pick up on it it's not just Oh, you're a dragon character, or oh, you're a I don't know Saberon or something, or some something or other in disguise. It's okay. They've had that interaction and established a certain level of uh, I don't know friendship or rapport. That's the word rapport. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they, they established 
so that when it does um, come up on an OCC level, they you know they have that trust there. So they're not, I mean, like you, you, but they can go, oh, okay, yeah, it's it's you. I know this person and this character, and I can trace things they've done um, while in hiding back to and guess at certain features of their background. And then there's that that grounding of, oh, okay, now I understand why your character acts this way, and oh, I should have picked up on that, haha, or oh, so that's what that means. Right. I guess that a lot of that leads into the whole aspect of like what you were saying earlier, where it becomes it becomes more natural to learn about a character through role playing with them, as opposed to me just spouting out the whole story. Um, because if you spout out the whole story just to me out of character, I just I'm not interested. I'm not. Yeah, there's no investment. Yeah, there's no investment. Like, yeah, yeah. A great way to say it. There's no investment. And so but if I learn through this, through through natural storytelling, it makes the characters become so much more believable. Uh, One of the characters, uh, one of the character types that I try to actively avoid even role playing with is the characters that are constantly having issues, if that makes sense, where they're throwing like too many problems into the story at once and not giving their characters any chance to recover. That also causes me to have a lack of investment in them because it's like we wake up one day and we start role playing. What's wrong with your character this day? And then we kind of solve that problem for them. And then the very next day, oh shit, there's a whole new problem about this character. And if it was like just like a couple of days, it's not a big deal. But this is like weeks on end of just nothing but problems and issues uh, day by day. Yeah, and that can build up into something that's just unpleasant to interact with because you're you're forced to, like, as, as you meet some, some character who pops up over and over and they have a different problem solved every day and a different problem every day, it's like, oh, you're going to be dead in two days or, oh, you're, you're advancing at an especially fast pace and it feels disjointed, kind of like the, the in-character time stream of, okay, my character is going at this speed and they've been struggling with the problem for a week and you got pregnant and had a baby in two days. Oh God. Oh no, don't, uh, yeah, I've actually yeah. been, uh, I'm having flashbacks. I actually thought I, I don't, I didn't even remember any of these stories until you just said that. And I'm having like repressed memories flood my mind. And I think some people enjoy that kind of speed in their role play. But again, it goes back to the people you're interacting with. And what you're making them react to, and what they want to react to, because there's there's gotta have a certain level of, of courtesy there, even if it is you know sort of your your character, and you do with them what you want. You know, now that you've said that word, courtesy, I've never actually put the two to two together with courtesy and role playing, but a lot of the community could benefit if we just had the the courtesy of thinking about other players as well as ourselves uh, when we when we role play does that make sense yeah i think there's a lot of um you know role play what you want do what's mm-hmm. fun that mm-hmm. sort of thing and then people absolutely should do that it's it's their character it's their subscription money it's their time right it's, it's you know it's their um what's the word carpal tunnel from typing and such and <laughs> But when you start interacting with other people, there has to be some sort of consideration with with them, and and I definitely encourage people to you know build their own communities within which they can do what they want. And everyone's on the same page, but 
I think one of the harder parts of this is when someone goes out into a more public setting, a cathedral or the mage district or some tavern or bar or in any game, really, mm -hmm. and, and then does something and then everyone is suddenly forced to either acknowledge whatever they've done or have been doing and react or ignore it and that kind of you know disrupts their own um the own their own flow of the role play because there's ignoring something that's going on which is, from a in-character standpoint can be irritating to to try and manage but also it's just like text scroll if someone is posting often it's like you see they keep popping up it's like okay ignore that post ignore that post read that post react to that one and so it's irritating on, on both levels there with this respect coming with the respect to a dragon character or role playing a dragon play like a character respectfully is what i should say do you think that could also benefit the players who are also playing like the villain if that makes sense well, like i think like, so i think this applies to everything it's just the dragons that are oh sorry go ahead i don't want to cut you off Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say it's like, you know, like role-playing the Sith or role-playing um, the demons in World of Warcraft or role-playing any of those things. Because Infinati was a uh, a Monari, and I tried my best to make sure it wasn't known until she was very, very, very comfortable with the other players. And even then, like, I don't know if your character or how long it took your character to find that out. Oh, I never picked that up. I don't know that part of the lore. Oh shit, you never knew that. Oh uh, yeah, she's been she was a monarchy the whole time. That's the reason why she wore the bird mask and like everything like that. Like she was constantly trying to hide herself, but she also wanted to go out and interact with people. Like she'd been along for so long and she needed to go out and, and meet people and talk with people because it's just like even introverts need to talk to people eventually. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, hold on. Let me Google and pretend I know what, know what Dominari is. <laughs> so basically, when the Legion came to Draenor, some people went with, what's his face? I can't remember, uh, and became the Draenei, and everybody else who joined the Legion became the Monari. Technically, the whole race was Monari, and then the Draenei just sort of split off from the Monari. Okay, yeah, I can see why she'd, she'd want to hide that if I remember correctly, you were often role-playing with the university in Stormwind, I think? Yeah, she was a professor at the Stormwind University. Really weird how that worked out, but I loved it. And basically, she taught environmental engineering is what it was, because that's what she did, was she was an engineer. She was an engineer in the Legion. She was an engineer before the Legion came around, uh, because these people live for a very, very, very long time. I don't know if the Monari and Extension Draenor are mortal like the elves were, but I know that they live for freaking ever, like tens of thousands of years. Well, isn't Velen like 20,000 years old and he's only just starting to look like a geezer? Yeah, it's something crazy. Uh, so my character, and again, this goes back into the whole respectful thing. She was somebody who decided, you know what, I'm tired of being pushed around. I'm joining the Legion because I think that this is going to be good for me as a person. I think it's going to be good for our people. And she joined the Legion and then she found out, oh God, this is the worst thing ever. This is horrible. And so she went AWOL from the Legion, but it's too late. She was already a member of the Legion. And she sort of hit out with the Draenei 
for as long as she could because there is a quest where you have to go kill a Monari or a member of the Legion who still looks just like the Draenei. And I tried my best to not talk about that unless it was absolutely dire. Like the the members of the Storm University absolutely forced her to talk about it. And she didn't want to, but she did. And I never used this power of hers to influence events or stuff like that. Like I, I was trying to be, again, very respectful. My character is not super powerful. She's just shy and she wants to go out and meet people. That's it. Yeah, I think going back to your original question um, and discussion topic of can this apply to other, other out there concepts? And absolutely. Um, I think there's, uh, say, for, you know, Minari, or however that's pronounced, Dragons, Minari, Saberon. I once cooked up a brief um, undead Saberon character for a side event. Um, demon characters. Uh, my, my warlock has a Succubus, uh, Shavara, you know, any, any warlock who wants to use their demons more or have, I, I think I bumped into someone who was playing a rogue succubi. Um, all of those characters have to put some consideration into how they're fitting into um, the, the world and make sure they really fresh, understand where, they're, where their character comes from to, to ensure that they're being respectful to other char- characters when they're interacting with them. Um, like, for example, Vicrawl. Vicrawl? Vicrawl? I forget what they're called. Um, I remember your uh, Infinati, your uh, Minari, er, Draenei, mm-hmm. they met my Death Knight, I think it was. Yep, uh, Cathedral District. I remember something about an apple. Yeah, she was staring at an apple in the Cathedral District for reasons that I can't quite remember. But um, do you remember that Vrykal? Or I, how is that pronounced? Vrykal. I'm having a hard time putting a putting a, a face to Vrykal. I got it. Um, do you remember that Vrykal they met, um, sort of out in the grassy area of Stormwind, who offered to cure my death knights um something or other oh god yeah i do remember this it it was a long oh god that was so long ago yeah i do i vaguely vaguely remember it yeah i think that's a great example of how um other uh, of the sort of interaction between uh an out there character and a slightly less out there character should should go actually and the best way to to do it respectfully um so the vicol was offering to cure my death knight's, you know, death or, or to, to help out in some manner. And they were, they, they had the strongs, like the, that character concept. And they offered, and my death knight turned them, turned them down, actually, um, because she wanted to, to, to do it herself and felt that taking the, the easy way was too easy and, and disrespectful to, to the effort. And she wanted to, keep using the the benefits of being a death knight for for her own goals and sort of considered it her her duty to to stay that way and do what she could with what she had and and really maximize the the benefit to society that she wouldn't in a way that she wouldn't be able to do if she was still alive or or, you know made to be alive again and the right call player uh whispered me afterward and said they, they were thankful that she, that my death knight hadn't accepted it because it was a, a good way to, like, so their, their character was able to offer and play pretty true to their character concept and abilities and, and that sort of thing. 
but I think it was better for both characters' story that it was than that my character was the kind of person who would decline that. And and I'm not saying that accepting the offer would it was bad in of itself, but I was really pleased with that um, interaction and how how we were able to sort of resolve both characters to to you know stay true to their goals and have that interaction of you know declining offers to help basically and like declining gifts and that sort of thing. I think it's a very um, interesting topic to explore of. If if someone just offered to to fix your character's problem, what would they do? And I, I think that's something that would it shouldn't come up often. It's going to be very hard to manage. Mm-hmm. Like just someone just have, coming in and having the the ability to fix issues and uh, negative character traits can be a problem. Mm-hmm. But it's nice when that that character does it in a way that it's an offer. They're not forcing it on you. You're not forced to react in a certain way. They're not you know, power tripping or, or any of that there. It's more of a, something that forces your character, not, not forces because I was, I found it a very interesting interaction, but it was a great opportunity for, for character growth. And I thought it was a great example of how out there character concepts can interact and still see benefit. Weren't we talking about dragons? We were talking about dragons. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I want to dig into lore bending a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Nether Drakes, just to revisit, I played a wood corrupted Nether Drake, and you mentioned lore bending, and to to that extent, um, if I recall correctly, Nether Drakes actually have two entirely different uh, backgrounds with a retcon in there somewhere that Blizzard did. So like there's a there's the in-game background, and then I think there's a book. So and like I think one version says they can phase through stuff, and the other one says they can't. Not entirely sure what that is. Um, huh. So I was curious about your opinion on uh, lore bending and lore breaking and, and everything in between. I think that's an important topic to to explore concerning characters that are more out there, because at some at some point you have to kind of make up a lore and not just bend it or you know break it a little bit, but you have to make your best guess at mm-hmm. what might be there. Yeah. So in Final Fantasy, there is a underwater village named Sueno Satown, and in lore, it's that's like the bubble where you get. Underwater breathing? Yep, it sure is. My character from in Final Fantasy is actually from uh, a village like that. In the lore, it specifically states that it is just one of the villages under the water. It doesn't state that it's the only village underneath the water. So the lore bending in this aspect for me would be my character saying that she is just from one of these underwater villages. She just tells everybody she's from Sueno Sato just to make it easy and simple for everybody. But the truth is, is that she is just from one of these underwater villages. Lore bending and like sort of breaking the lore as long as, like we were talking about earlier, as long as it's done in such a manner that not only does it make sense, but like you show that you have to and you're not more breaking the lore just sort of bending it a little to make things a little bit more sense i think that's absolutely fine a hundred percent do it if you have to do it if you need to because if we take every character from soy no satow and shove them together they would not all fit in soy no satow there'd be absolutely no way but by saying she's just from a village underwater then it becomes more believable I think that's an important distinction to make. And in this case, I don't think you're 
breaking or even bending the lore. You're just taking what it says and, and using it, and it's just considered a bit out there. And I think that's uh, an important point to to address because there are people who will say, "Oh, your character is from some underwater village somewhere, and that's breaking the lore or bending it or, or something." But it's it's not. It's you're using what you have and making your your best guess because i don't know presumably the other villages under there are you can you can kind of make the assumption that they're kind of similar to the original one where the reference is made and you can kind of guess at what the society is like and the people there and you know it's not bending or breaking anything so much as you're Mm -hmm. drawing on the lore you have to to make something there are certain aspects that like i i definitely don't think should be crossed example example one is of course everybody knows this um you're not the warrior of light you're not the visage from elder scrolls you're not thrall and jana's jana proudmore's long lost son daughter whatever from the future like you know those those are things that shouldn't be touched and then on the lighter note of that also that i don't think should be like breaking is for instance anything that has like hard lore attached to it an example uh you you role play in elder scrolls online so you know about the boss bossomer the what elves and their green pact yep they can't eat uh or they can't harm the plants in the uh forests because of the green pact having someone who says i'm a bossomer and i cut down the trees and in in the forest and screw the green pact I, I don't think that's one of the things that should be broken because that is something that is very hard set in in lore and and shouldn't really be touched with however if you or if your character was like i'm a bossomer and what my job is is i go around picking up dead trees and stuff like that or uh i go around and I, God, I hope I'm not saying this wrong. Uh, I go around and just repair dead foliage. I think that is a way you can kind of bend the lore. And actually what you were saying earlier, I don't even think that's really bending the lore. I think that is something that actually happens I'm sure if a in the story, dead, but I can't place my finger um, on back it. Back to your cutting down a tree thing, mm-hmm. though, and the green pack, aren't there immediate sort of drastic consequences to doing that? Like if you break the green pack, you get turned into a sort of wild hunt type thing or something? And at the very least, if someone finds out, or if your fellow Bosmer find out, they're you know they do bad stuff to you, and it's yeah. called cannibalism. So isn't, there, isn't there immediate consequences to doing that? I can't remember. Uh, uh, actually, I cannot remember either. Uh, I've run into this problem lately as a role player, where I have been role playing in so many different games and just like exploring so much lore that I cannot remember everything underneath the blue sun. Like I just, uh, I just, I just can't remember. I am absolutely sure that there are some consequences, but I can't remember yeah, I if they, it was immediate or not. Um, uh, that would be great if that it was immediate to take take the Bosmer sort of out of their wild huntish state. Um, but I think just to avoid diving deep into Elder Scrolls lore, because if we do that, we're going to be here for several more hours. But concerning the, the immediate consequences <laughs> of lore breaking and bending, I think it's fine as long as you. Like, it's in the lore that you, you can do that, and it's in the lore that there is a consequence. So you're not breaking or bending the lore if you do something and play out the consequences. What, where the problem is, is if you want to do a certain thing a certain way, and you want to ignore the consequences, or you don't have a, you know, solid reason why there aren't consequences. Because who knows, you know, we don't have time to, you know, Google everything, but 
maybe there's a way to get out of that mm-hmm. or, or something. But if, if a Bosmer you know broke the dream pact, you'd expect there to be some some change in in their character and some adjustment in their mannerisms and your interaction with them on an in character basis. And if that's not there, that's when it feels off and you can start getting into different things. But if they do do it, then that's you know that's a, that's a well executed character concept that I'd be happy to explore. Similar for um, mm-hmm. I don't know Warcraft, Minari, or Dragons, or Saberon, or, or something. As long as they're accepting the consequences of following down a certain path of lore, absolutely. Like if a Saberon wants to pop into Stormwind and is fully expecting to get murdered or something, or, or wherever the diplomatic situation is there, and has a good reason as to how they got there, then then by all means go for it. If you want to, I'm trying to think of an example here that I've seen, but unfortunately this is kind mm-hmm. of rare for, for the more out there characters. I don't know. Let's let's go with me, because I have experience being me. Um, I played my Death Knight sitting in the Cathedral District with an apple, and she was doing that because she's depressed, and that's the reason she was in there. And she was holding the apple because she used to like eating apples when she was alive, but she doesn't really get anything out of it now. And it's a way for her to still sort of participate in, in the world around her, even if she when eating the apple, she doesn't get nutrients. Like Death Knights are physically capable of eating and drinking, and that's fine. And then I would play out the consequences of that. She would have to, you know, spend some money to have a mage or something to teleport it out of her stomach or find a mage to conjure up some food she could eat so it would disappear afterwards and wouldn't rot in there. And she would be a little cranky afterwards of sitting in the theater district because that, that stuff hurts, you know, being that close. And it's mm-hmm. it's treating consequences casually or making light of them, which is, is something that I think is uh, should be avoided. But as long as that's done, then by all means, go, you know, go get wrecked as much as you want. Yeah, I mean, it's your choice. I, I um, used to own a guild long time ago where the only their only point was to act as npcs they were they were there to be murdered they were there to be yeah they yeah they were there to be red shirts and you yeah you've seen a couple of the guilds just like pop up here and there but i think it is very important to have characters who are willing to go to those extremes uh, for the story because, I mean, not everybody wants their characters to die. However, if you accept that your character is going to die at some point and you're just like, let it let it happen, go get yourself wrecked, as you said, I think those are actually... My hat's off to those players who who give the time and dedication to play Red Yeah, there's been a couple of guilds I've seen that have done that and some are, we play an NPC and others are... Um sort of like a villain hire out where you're asked and they'll sort of create a villain for you and interact with it that way. And I thought that was mm-hmm. very, very nice of that guild to dedicate the time to, to doing that. I was going somewhere with this, but I forgot where I was going with it now. <laughs> it's fine. Um, actually, we've been talking for damn near uh, 50 minutes now. I was going to say uh, if the, if there was anything else that you wanted to add into all of this re- with the courtesy or the re- uh, respectful aspect or even as a dragon player, if there was something that you wanted to add into it. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll try and wrap up a pretty bow around this. Um, actually, this is I didn't quite prepare as much as I would have liked for this. I didn't have a series of notes. I've just been kind of rambling off the top of my head, but uh, let's see. 
Um, actually, I want you to know that you have been fantastic. Like, I am not. Uh, I am very new to this, and I was worried because I have never role played as a member of the Dragonfly or a dragon character in any aspect in any game. So I was wholly unsure of how I was going to approach this conversation. I just knew that with great power comes great responsibility, and I was going to talk about that. But you, you, you took off with it and you handled it excellently so far. Okay, well, well, thank you. That's flattering. Let me put a bow on this. For out there character concepts that touch on certain parts of the lore and may bend or adjust or make up the lore or make their best guess at lore when there isn't enough to go on, I think it's very important to consider how your character fits in the world around them, to accept the consequences of their of your character design choices. And not only to make a character that you can have fun with, but a character that people will have fun interacting with. And I think that's uh, the main point and main takeaway for a lot of this, because in some instances, you will find people who do not care about um, certain adjustments to the lore. And that's fine, and that's how they want to do things. And in other cases, especially in public settings, you'll find people who do care, and you'll find people who are a mix of that. And depending on the audience you want to attract, and interact with, you need to make those adjustments. Otherwise, you're going to have issues. So when making a dragon character or an out there character concept, consider how how much of that they're going to show, how much of their back, how their background will will impact what they're showing to the outside community. And that's kind of like a character design 101. Your background should interact, should, your background should impact how your character interacts with people, starting, you know, major wisdom there. But I think that's something that people skip, where they try to play a dragon character the same way they would play a blood elf or a human or a draenei or, or something like that. When in, in the end, it's you can have a out there character concept that is disguised in a certain way, but in the end, it's it's not that. And you people, I think, um, sometimes don't put in the effort to adjust the mannerisms and interactions and background details and that sort of thing to adjust to the new to that kind of character concept because we're we're you know we're we're bipedal um, mammals so we can you know sort of muddle along if we're role playing a draenei or an elf or, or something like that and it's easier to draw on those races backgrounds to create a believable character but finding someone who has that kind of experience to draw on and to find the lore that you need for a uh, dragon character to get the mannerisms believable, to get the to make it all make sense when viewed from a high level is more difficult. And so, for example, people have experience writing out uh, arm gestures or mannerisms of someone gesticulating while they speak. But I, I doubt you'll find as many people who are able to realistically portray a quadrupedal character and their physical mannerisms and their physical presence. And overall, I think my, my point, or I'm going to try and wrap this up, rewrap this up because I'm rambling again, but I think it's important to consider the, the impact of these things and to make sure they're addressed properly. You're not just a, I don't know, Draenei with a sword or something. You're a Draenei who has that background there which needs to have an impact 
mean, like if you're a Draenei who's a red dragon blood in disguise, you need to have that kind of impact and that connection between your character's background and what they're doing. Otherwise, it's just disconnected and you don't have a character so much as you have a, uh, a doll that doesn't really have any place in the world around it. And it's important to have that connection to between the character and its background and to make that adjustment and to fit it into the world around so that it's believable and comes across well. That does it for this episode of the podcast. In two weeks, we'll be hearing from Jack, a longtime friend of mine and their journey through tabletop roleplay. If you would like to be on an episode of In and Out of Character, please join me on Discord. You can talk with me and other like-minded individuals or just hang out. I would appreciate you being there. Till then, everyone, stay in character. <laughs>